Well, hello, hello. It is Wednesday, October the 14th of 2015. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to us. My name is Nolan Kaler, and this is Wittenberg Radio. I'm here along with my co-host, Daniel Friesen. What's up? And if you always want to keep up with all things Wittenberg Radio, past episodes, anything like that, be sure to check us out on social media. We are on Twitter at Wittenberg Radio. Facebook page is Wittenberg Radio as well. You can find us there. You can email all comments, questions, concerns, etc. I don't even know what else you would send us. Favorite recipes might be all right. Uh, you can send those to Wittenberg Radio at gmail.com. We're looking for a lot of listener reaction today. This is the long anticipated election special here on Wittenberg Radio today. How special is it? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Word on the street is that there's an election coming up. Maybe you've heard of it. It's arguably the closest race in Canadian history for. Uh, the Office of Prime Minister. Never has there been a race where three different parties and three different leaders could potentially be the next leader of a country in the next five days. Um, so it's a lot to think about for sure. There are times when it be, where it can be hard to differentiate between the parties and what they believe in for any voter. And that's where we step in. Wittenberg Radio providing this election special. We cannot emphasize enough that this special is not the be-all and end-all for political knowledge because A, we're students and we do other things besides research... <laughs> electoral platforms, etc. B, we can't tell you what's best in the riding where you're voting. Sure, most of you in the residents are voting in Charleswood St. James. There are others voting in Winnipeg South, Winnipeg South Center, Portage Lisgar, Saskatoon. I could go on and on. But what we can do uh, to do a, a bit of a catch-all is to give you a rundown of each party's national policy, which can also play a factor in a person's vote to a degree. Uh, so that is what we are going to do today. We have assembled a powerhouse political panel, uh, panel, suck at Mansbridge, for the show today. <laughs> I'll introduce them all. Yeah, Chantal who. And, uh, <laughs> and who they will be presenting. Uh, in no particular order today, there's uh, two guests that we have joining us in addition to Daniel Friesen. Um, Micah Zerby is a political studies student here at CMU. He sits on the he sits as the vice president advocacy on the CMU Student Council and moderated the debate of Charleswood St. James candidates right here in Marpet Commons last uh, two weeks ago, I believe. Right. That's yeah. true. Hello, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's my a pleasure. My no problem. No problem. How was um, how was the debate? The the debate was good. There was a uh, some good turnout from the students. Not as much as I would like to see. It's always tough to get students to come out to things. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, we had the Green Party candidate and a Liberal Party candidate come out and mm -hmm. had some good discussion between the two of them. Right. And where were the Conservative NDP candidates? Well, the NDP is an interesting <laughs> story. I was in contact with the former Charleswood NDP candidate, Stefan Jonasson, who made some untimely remarks about the Taliban and Orthodox Jews. I won't go too much into that. But he was replaced by another candidate, Tom Polly, but that happened very soon before the event, so I didn't have time to contact Tom Polly. Stephen Fletcher was busy. <laughs> most conser most conservative MPs are busy at yeah. this time of year. Well, thank you for being here on our panel, and hopefully we can get uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge our uh, fellow students into the polls on October the 19th. Also on our panel today, Jonas Kernelson, a fifth-year political studies student at CMU and is working on his thesis on political theology. Hello, Jonas. Hi. Oh, t tell us a bit about your thesis. Is there any any sort of, any like giveaways? Any hints? Uh, I don't want to give, give too many spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Know, I want to read it for myself. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. You want to read the whole anything, thing. Anything you can <laughs> tell us? Uh, well, 
a little bit. I guess my proposal's due this week, so I probably should be able to tell you something. Uh, essentially, what I'm doing is trying to uh, take some some theology from the Anabaptist tradition and hold it in uh, in comparison with some with some state theory from about uh, kind of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, and sort of see if if what we're doing in our theology really matches up to the way that the state and political society conceives of itself uh, outside of, of of church and all that. So it's yeah, sort of trying to trying to look at our theology from a view of out just kind of outside our own tradition and see if that will hmm. enhance it interesting so and this is due in march that's when we get to read it ish march april yeah basically i'll be defending cool. it publicly in april uh so you're you're welcome to come and there you and go really grill me on it so. nice there you go the invitation is there for you cmu student body so the way this is going to work today uh the way it shook out is now we have micah and jonas here with us today so we have four people and four parties to present uh, to you today. Although we are going to be a, uh, we're going to be weighing in the three gentlemen, Dan, Micah, and Jonas, in no particular order, are going to present uh, their respective parties, which have been assigned, and then we're going to weigh in as a collective whole on the Green Party, just because uh, they have, yeah, just because that's just the way it shook out. I'm not going to say either or if Elizabeth May is giving the next prime minister or not. So, yeah. So, uh, before we do that, though, first, let's go around the table and say, uh, what has been the biggest surprise so far in this election campaign for you? We'll start with Jonas. Uh, <laughs> you know, this question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm gobsmacked. Uh, but I think <laughs> one of the most interesting things that I've found is Justin Trudeau essentially promising to run deficits for three years. Uh, that's... That's not typically in a party leader's playbook to actually say, hey, we're going to spend more than we take in for a little while. But it seems to be this bizarre tack of honesty that's actually doing him some decent good in, in recent polls. So I've, I found that very interesting that instead of trying to like promise uh, the moon in some of Stephen Harper's lingo in the press last week, uh, he has actually gone and said, like, we, we need to yeah, spend a lot of money. And that means that for a few years there will be sort of less in the tank, as it were, but that it'll all balance out eventually, whereas both, well, all other major parties uh, would promise to balance the books right away, and some people would think that that's more realistic than others. Well, and Trudeau's rationale for that is that interest rates being what they are, that running a deficit really isn't that big a deal for a temp temporary time as long as there's plans to right. make it all work out in the end. Yeah, there are, there are fine reasons for it. I just, I've... I've rarely seen a, a major politician kind of almost promote deficits the way that Trudeau has this year. Interesting. And uh, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I'm looking forward to it when we talk about the liberals. Uh, I'm sure that'll come up as well. Uh, Micah, your thoughts. What's been the most surprising thing about selection for you as you've watched it unfold? Well, something interesting that I found, not necessarily with parties, but with the general public is the support that's come out for strategic voting. Last election, I was a bit younger, but I don't really remember the emphasis that people put on those kinds of voting practices. Hmm. And I'm I'm skeptical overall of its benefit. Um, you can ask me about that later if you like. Yeah. <laughs> but it has been interesting seeing the spike in support for that sort of voting practice. Hmm. Well, yeah, we'll definitely come. We'll definitely be coming back to that later as well. It was something I have. Uh, that I want to discuss. It looks like there's a record turnout for that sort of, uh, I think it says here 
uh, or in favor of that. So, Daniel, your thoughts? I would say a similar thing to Micah, actually. The strategic voting has really been been the thing that's been on my radar most uh, throughout this whole process beyond, you know, looking at individual plat- parties' platform issues. Um, I feel kind of, I have mixed feelings about that whole sentiment, but um, it is a little hopeful that, you know, as, as much as I think the anything but Harper mentality is an irresponsible way to go about democracy, it does give me hope that uh, young people are actually fed up enough to to give a damn and and go vote and express themselves even if they're expressing themselves in a you know, kind of less than authentic way they're still hmm. expressing themselves at the polls there's certainly a, 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 a huge amount of vitriol and like ire towards this conservative government it seems in this election and it seems more and more as though Stephen Harper is pandering to, more towards his core supporters but we'll get to that later when we talk about uh, the individual parties. So we drew. I drew from a hat the order that we're going to go in here today, just so we are completely or some okay, well, somewhat fair and unbiased. And um, Dan is going to go first, and he's going to be presenting on behalf of the uh, New Democratic Party, the NDP, followed by Jonas, who is going to be representing the Conservatives. And those words would be said about me. <laughs> 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 you should have seen the look on his face when I asked him. And uh, Micah will be following that up, and he'll be presenting the liberal platform. So, Daniel, the NDP. So, the NDP, uh, From this is all from a uh, National Post article uh, that I've, I found this morning uh, that summarizes all the party's platforms. Uh, it, it's quite comprehensive. So, uh, yeah, as mentioned before, the NDP are going to balance the budget in 2016, uh, one of the big things that they're pushing in terms of like uh, economic and slash social programming is the uh, child care uh, plan to make affordable child affordable child care that would cost parents around fifteen dollars a day um, <clears throat> and to have you know an abundance of spaces to make that a, a realistic thing for people to t- uh, to use. Um, they're also looking to undo a lot of the conservative uh moves that they've made in the last few years such as repealing bill c51 um they're canceling the income splitting uh income splitting uh option i don't know what is that called program program (laughs) the income splitting program uh they're in favor of pulling out all military action in the middle east Mm. um and reducing defense funding overall instead of instead focusing on uh aid spending uh they in the environment they uh are opposing the northern gateway pipeline and they are not opposing the energy east pipeline outright but they're saying that it needs more review and they are opposing keystone xl as well Mm. um there's a lot to get to those are the kind of the biggest things that i've found there's obviously more nitty-gritty details that could be gotten to absolutely Um, we could dive into a couple of the major issues i think that uh that appeal first of all you mentioned it a bit back there but they uh, they want to repeal c51 can we describe what c51 is to someone who doesn't know it uh uh, bill c51 is a, a a bill that the conservative government introduced uh earlier this year 
say that basically gives uh, Canadian intelligence organizations the power to spy on and harvest private information from from private citizens um, in the name of security. Um, and the NDP want to repeal that because it basically infringes on people's uh, right to privacy and you know creates an unnecessary climate of fear um, in the name of you know stopping terrorists right that unknown sort of sort of threat as well one other thing about the NDP that they want to do is they want to appoint a parliamentary science officer uh, why do you why would you suppose that something like that might be necessary um, I think it'd be important uh, the the first thing that comes to mind when when you mention that is something like the experimental lakes project which is um, some lakes in northern Manitoba which are used for uh, studying environmental impact um, basically scientists go up there and they kill the lakes and then figure out how to bring them back to life um, the conservative government scrapped that program or want made an attempt to scrap that program they weren't completely successful uh, but having a science officer would uh, hopefully put safeguards in place to guard programs such as that uh, it could also have healthcare implications for um, policies on medications and things like that. I don't know exactly uh, what what they would all be looking for the science officer to oversee. But hmm. those environment and healthcare uh, issues would be two areas where I think that would be mm -hmm. important to uh, to have an expert on hand who's not just some politician who doesn't know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> about those issues sure. on a on a on the ground level right uh jonas and mike anything from the ndp platform that may have jumped out at you that you were just hearing well one thing about the ndp is that they are the only party that has provided a firm plan immediately for a child care benefit mm -hmm. many organizations agree that child care is one of the best ways of bringing families out of poverty Having affordable childcare is beneficial for single parent families as well as families in poverty, making more time available for those parents to work and not spend all their money on childcare and then feel like they can't work and have to stay home caring for their children. So childcare is a great way of reducing nationwide poverty. Hmm. It's an interesting. It's an interesting point, and I think that also used to be liberal policy as well. And I think they might have dropped. We'll I'll get to that. We'll one. get. To, oh, okay. Ah, Sorry. Sorry, Micah. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, I think we can. What do we think? Move on to the next. Move on to the next party. Is that what, what we want to know? About uh, the one, or one other important point is the the NDP is in favor of abolishing the Senate. Yes. Uh, whereas the liberals point. are are in favor of choose, changing it to be an elected Senate. Hmm. Um. I don't know. We can get into that now or later. I'd love to get into. That. I'd love to talk about that now. Uh, can we, like, first of all, what the what the actual heck is the Senate? Like, what do they do? Does any can anyone of you guys answer that question? It's the second level of uh, processing that a mm -hmm. bill has to go through before it can come law become law. And they are appointed. They are not elected by Canadians. Appointed for life. They are appointed for life. And they represent the provinces. Yes. In a federalistic system, we have a house of representatives that represent districts of people. And then we have, in a second house, representatives that support the interests of provinces. Mm -hmm. And so each province comes together in a group, and then all the representatives of people come together in a group. And so right. the Senate is a second body of representation for the provinces. Okay. 
You know, the Senate has seen its fair share of corruption in the last number of, of months. We only can think of, I don't know, names of various senators that are now no longer senators. Mike Duffy would definitely come to mind. Pamela Wallen also would come to mind. Um, yeah, so people like that. There's there's a lot of corruption in the Senate, and that is part of the part of the reason why uh, NDP leader Tom Mulcair would would promote its abolition. Yes, precisely, and okay. and because uh, in you know the history of Canada, it's been largely a two party system, and so all the senators elected are going to be representing the interests of the parties that appointed them, hmm. most likely, uh, and so then just to kind of move away from that kind of a two party uh two parties interests only system in the second level of checks and balances that being the ruling party and the official opposition yes okay well and specifically the conservatives and the liberals whereas they, right. there are no new democratic appointed senators right because they never held a place where they can appoint exactly senators fair enough final question to you dan what is your uh, impression of tom mulcair not that it matters to voters but just um, curiosity. <laughs> that's a good question um my biggest impression that i have of him is i watched the the debate on the economy and largely i think that those debates are a farce um to <laughs> who be can yell frank. the loudest um but his the way and so i i try to separate the way he presented himself at that debate from his from who he is as a person or who he is as a politician but largely he he came off to me as seeming kind of paranoid uh, he had a lot of, uh, it seemed like he was pushing a lot of uh, conspiracy theories and not unreasonable ones, but just um, I would have liked to see him be a little more cooperative with Trudeau and pushing, you know, basically pushing synergy between uh, the three non uh, conservative parties okay. basically whereas it seemed and it makes sense that he was doing he's got to look out for his party he's the leader he's got to push those <laughs> he's got to push his right. his own party sure um but it just made made it seem like he was okay going out too much for his own self uh, i don't know if that makes any sense sure. that was just that's my fine. impression that's fine that's it shouldn't affect voters anyway you are listening to the wittenberg radio election special uh, of course you can react to anything we say email us wittenbergradio at gmail.com and be always tweeted us at Woodberg Radio, and we're on our Facebook page as well. Okay, over to the next party. Jonas Carnelson is going to be the lucky lad who gets to present on the Conservative Party and our current and its leader, our current Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Stephen Harper. Thank you, Nolan. It's <laughs> nice to to be here today. Uh, just a warning to listeners: if you hear shuffling papers, it's because I'm reading off of a bunch of articles that I printed <laughs> off the internet. Because um, that's just what I did. Uh, anyway, Dan went to the National Post for information on a leftist party, which is ironic because That's, the National was, Post it's traditionally is, a right paper. It's traditionally right, and I went to the Globe and Mail for information <laughs> on a right wing party, which is uh, traditionally quite left. Well, sort of, sort of left. Lots of, they're left of center ish. Yeah, they're sure largely, but still uh, pretty business and everything focused. Like they've they've lumped energy and the environment into one policy area, which I think some papers wouldn't do. Anyway. So um, we're, we're summarizing uh, media reports, which are inadequate snapshots, and we're probably inadequately summarizing them. So we're giving the voters really the best information that is out there. Uh, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is going awesome. That's you heard it here first. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the Conservative Party. Uh, yeah, when Nolan asked me to present on the Conservative Party, I kind of thought like, 
you know, what, what's there to present? Like, in a sense, if you've been paying any attention to how Canada's been governed over the past nine years, but especially the past four years since they've had a majority government, you know what the Conservative Party stands for. Uh, there is nothing in their, in, their election, in their election platform that really they haven't been pushing in Parliament for the past four years. So in that regard... Uh, they're doing a they're they want to do more of the same of what they've been doing you know we've we've seen this party in action already uh, so in that regard they're doing a really good job of being conservative by definition in that uh, they're really interested in maintaining the status quo and doing more things that they have shown themselves to be interested in for example Stephen Harper uh, continually uh, pushes for new pipelines to take Alberta's oil to the rest of the world He's yeah. He wants to build the Northern Gateway pipeline, uh, this Energy East pipeline we've heard about. He probably still favors the Northern Gateway pipeline, but that one's a pretty hotbed issue in BC, so nobody's really talked about that one right. in this campaign. Keystone XL as well is another one that's trying to push through a little bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what else? Yeah, this article says here that the Conservatives pledged to cut Canada's greenhouse gas emissions by 30% from 2005 levels before 2030 but no plan to uh, regulate additionally the oil sands development. That's, that's almost a direct quote. So yeah, you, so more resource extraction, more exporting of oil uh, to make stacks, as it were. Sure. Uh, the Conservatives did promise uh, to launch a national cap and trade plan to combat greenhouse gas emissions, um, but provinces are able to opt out if their emissions to, if their efforts to bring down emissions are as good or better than those the concert than the conservative like the federal government so that is something that they are attempting to do for the environment so oh. take that as you as you will the cat and trade program is also something that the ndp has also put forward on their platform so yeah well, that's interesting that is interesting the global mail didn't tell me that well <laughs> what a, i also have the, the winnipeg sun here i figured what, <laughs> what better paper to go for for information oh, on the yes. conservatives than the winnipeg sun but of it was, course it's also free <laughs> anyway yeah, the Conservatives also, they recorded a $1.9 billion surplus for the 2014-15 fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they did so is up for debate, but this, this is not the place for that. They, yeah, <laughs> they, they love balanced budgets. Uh, they have targeted the, the other parties as highly irresponsible. They say that while well, the Liberals are being more honest about their deficits, and they say the NDP will run deficits inevitably. Um, yeah, they want to, they want to lower, lower taxes for most people, uh, specifically small businesses, but also maintaining the corporate tax cuts that they've introduced over the past however many years. Uh, yeah, he wants to uh, prohibit increases to federal personal and business income taxes and a variety of, of things such as CPP, Canada Pension Plan and Employment Insurance. Uh, yeah, one, one conservative perspective on taxation and money that I heard uh, from a particular candidate in a, in a social setting was that we want to... We want to keep more money, more of your money in your pockets for you to do what you want with. So, yeah, conservatives really value the um, kind of the discretion of the individual and the taxpayer themselves to kind of like do what they think is best with their money. And, uh, yeah, really, really hold to that, that saying that um, the government can't spend my money better than me. So mm-hmm. that's sort of that's a that's a conservative uh, kind of. Yeah, that's a go-to. Is um, it's the the money, the taxpayers' money is the taxpayers, and it's it's more about their good than than the common good, as it were, in terms of that's sort of a philosophy of, of taxation. 
Sure. Uh, what else do they say here? A lot of this stuff really isn't that interesting. I <laughs> again, like honestly, if you have if you've followed any bits right. of legislation or any kind of foreign like international issues, like you know what this conservative government's all about. They're pro-Israel. They're pro-free trade. Uh, they've been negotiating the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Can you uh, detail that agreement a little bit? Not really. <laughs> I don't know much. Okay. Um, but they've also been uh, involved in uh, talks with China, which um, has resulted in actually a, a pretty substantial agreement where uh, yeah, Canada and China are kind of opening up their markets to each other. And when we get to the Green Party, uh, they, they have a lot to say about that. Yes, they do. And also, um, yeah, the Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement with the European Union, where... Uh, yeah, the idea is that tariffs would be significantly reduced or eliminated in trade between Canada and the EU, and yeah, a lot like the a lot of caps on certain goods would be lifted so that more of their goods can flow in here, more of ours can go in there. Yeah, so the conserv they love they love free trade. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, again, in terms of like childcare benefits and everything, they are. It's, it's another one of those instances where more money to individual taxpayers should solve the problem. Uh, they want to expand employment insurance, maternity and parental benefits for new parents, increase the childcare expense deduction by $1,000 and maintain the universal childcare benefit. Uh, they've been campaigning on that one pretty heavily, I think, in this most recent budget, which happened to come out pretty much just before the campaign started. They, um, yeah, they promised like some additional money or tax break for young parents and that's right. been kind of their thing like they wouldn't be nearly as optimistic about childcare spaces or affordable childcare mm -hmm. as the new democratic party but it's just simply saying like give people more money to deal with their problems the way that they best see fit that same budget is the one where they posted that 1.9 billion dollar debt uh surplus surplus, surplus. True. um economy seems to be the the the, the staple in this uh, in this campaign for the conservative party um, what is the economic case for another conservative government in your eyes? If any. If you like to grow <laughs> the GDP and export your oil and yeah, have a very like a pretty stable, balanced books without much social spending, yeah, the conservative party is your bag they're, for sure. They're like our guys. <laughs> they're pretty good at running a stable society that does nothing interesting. Okay. But that, yeah, so by definition, they're doing it slowly restricts your personal freedoms, right? Yeah, Ooh. so they're doing a really good job mm -hmm. of yeah. yeah being conservative. Micah and Dan, anything that stood out in that uh, in that platform to you guys, or was that all pretty self-explanatory? Well, there were a couple of things that I'll get to when I outline the liberal plan, because uh, <laughs> a lot of their promises are in direct contrast to the Harper government, right? So I will refer to some of those points. Um. Yeah. Shall we address? Yeah. Okay. Then you know what? Let's. Uh, Dan. Yeah. I don't okay. really have any thoughts. On You're good. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the Liberal Party under the leadership of Justin Trudeau and the man with almost as good of a hair. Cut it. Nice hair, Micah. Thank you. <laughs> Looks good on the radio. It does look good on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I only, I only just, hair. I only just came up with that now. Um. So yeah, Micah, the Liberal Party. What do you got? Well, Jonas just mentioned that the that the Conservative Party will continue the universal child care benefit one of the f things that the liberal party has been campaigning on is that they will actually completely get rid of the universal child care benefit mm. and they will do this because it isn't actually helping poor people 
Hmm. Did you know that you get a universal child care benefit if you make over $200,000 per year? Now, most of us wouldn't think if you make over $200,000 a year, you need more money to help with your child care. Right. But the conservative plan is giving rich people that money. The Liberal Party will implement something they call the Canada Child Benefit, which essentially takes away the benefits for upper brackets and gives more benefits for lower brackets. So if you make 15000 or less a year, you get substantially more than you do currently. And if you make over 200000 you get nothing. Wow. So that's what they will do. They're also lowering the middle income tax bracket by 7%. And they are increasing or they're creating a new tax bracket for amounts over $200,000 a year. They will charge 33% income tax on those amounts. They're also going to end income splitting, as the NDP will as well. Um, they're also promising on creating lots of jobs, especially in youth jobs. Um, they also continue income splitting for seniors, because that benefits seniors, not so much uh, middle class worker, working people. And they will also increase the guaranteed income supplement for seniors, so that people who are no longer working still have enough money to live. In terms of post-secondary education, they're planning on increasing grants available, and they also won't charge interest on your student loans until you're making an income of at least $25,000 a year. So that's interesting. They won't be charging you if you don't have any income. Um, their poverty plan yeah. is connected to their child care benefit. The, their plan will lift 315,000 children out of poverty, they're saying. And they also want lots of investments in infrastructure, transit infrastructure, so social infrastructure, green infrastructure. In all those three categories, a total of $60 billion in, in investments over the next 10 years. In terms of childcare, which I pointed out that I would talk about at some point, yes, you did. they do not have a specific plan. What their plan is, is that they're going to meet with the provinces within the first 100 days of forming government and form a plan based on their interactions with the provincial governments. Hmm. The Liberal Party has also been campaigning heavily on open government reform. They want to improve access to information. They want to make personal information kept by the government available to access to information requests. For the record, both those programs have been quite strapped under the previous government. Yes. They also want to make all members of parliament disclose their parliamentary expenses as a result of the senate scandal exactly currently all liberal party members are required to disclose their expenses but they want to expand this to all members of parliament they want to ban partisan government paid for ads um, they want to increase the independence of elections canada improve um, the way that people can vote which was hindered by the fair elections act recently passed can you detail what that is, quite briefly, in like a nutshell? The Fair Elections Act uh, has been criticized heavily for not actually making elections more fair. It has restricted the way that Elections Canada can form investigations and has reduced the power of the chief electoral officer or something like that. And as well as requiring more identification for voting, Last election, you just required your voting identification card. Okay. This year, you had to have your voting identification card and then photo ID that has your address. And so that seems like a good idea. You want to verify people's people who vote. 
but if you don't have photo ID, that means then you can't vote, which is a significant portion of the population, especially people living in poverty often don't have adequate mm -hmm. identification. Interesting. Um, pick apart a couple of things in that policy. Um, we mentioned it more off the top of the show, and you may have mentioned it in the past a little bit, but running a de uh, uh, three straight years of a deficit. Right. Yes, the Liberal government has not promised to balance the budget. They have promised to run a deficit for three consecutive years. Hmm. Now, is this, like, how is this, it sounds bad on paper, but is, mm -hmm. it, is, it, is it good or is it bad? Because it seems like, it's, as we said up off the top, it's, it's earning some, some uh, points in the polls. Yeah. From what I understand, running a deficit isn't necessarily a bad thing. Something you have to keep in mind, moreover, is your debt-to-GDP ratio which is the ratio between the amount of debt you have and the size of your GDP. So if you can decrease your debt to GDP ratio while running a deficit, then you will economically prosper. And so if you increase your GDP and run a small deficit, you're still better off than you were before. Hmm. So you can be economically stable while running a small deficit, which is what the Liberal Party is planning on doing for three years, and then they are planning on balancing the budget after that. Interesting. Um, another thing that has come across the Liberals' uh, policy is funding for the arts. They're the only party so far to detail how they're actually uh, going to do that. Uh, can you describe some of that for us? Well, with CBC and Radio Canada, they are planning on reversing the cuts that were made under the current Conservative government, mm -hmm. and then they are promising an additional $150 million dollars per year in funding for the CBC and Radio Canada. Wow. I believe both uh, NDP and Green are also planning to reverse the cuts. That, they have said that also, yes. They are. They plan to reverse the, the initial cuts, but I think the Liberals are the only one that have pledged additional money on top of that, to my knowledge. I think the Green Party wants to give... Uh, I got their well, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit, I guess. Yeah, too. totally. Green Party's into it. <laughs> Green Party is into it. Totally. Uh, a couple other things about the Liberal Party. They also want electoral reform. Hmm. They want to get rid of the first-past-the-post voting system. Uh, and they have pledged that if they form government, this will be the last election in which that system is used. They want to form a parliamentary committee, nonpartisan committee, that will review a few possibilities, including ranked ballots, proportional representation, mandatory voting, and online voting as possibilities. They aren't making promises yet, but they will review all these possibilities mm. after they form government. Can we describe briefly what proportional representation is? Because it's a word that has come up a couple of times in the lead up to this election, or phrase. Sure. There are a few different types of proportional representation that exist. The most simplistic one is you vote for a party, and then based on the popular vote for that party, that party will get a certain number of representatives in the House. The type that, well, the NDP is also supporting proportional representation. Their method is a two ballot system. You vote for a representative in your riding, and then you also vote for a party. The vote for the party could be different than your vote for the representative. And so then the proportion of votes for the party is then counted, and then each party will get an additional amount of representatives for that proportion of the party vote. And the hope is that then the amount of members of parliament in parliament will more directly relate to mm. 
the popular support for each party. Right. But we have to win in this, but uh, whatever party wants, like, I mean, obviously all parties want to win, but whatever party wins, like, they have to win in this system currently before they form proportional Which is why nobody ever changes anything, because if they win in first-past-the-post, usually means that first-past-the-post supports them. Right. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Makes sense. Whew, that's a lot of, there's a lot of technical, political jargon in that. Hopefully you are able to decipher that. We'll come back and do like a quick summary at the end of, I think, of, along with everything else. Uh, just like a quick couple sentences. You're listening to Winberg Radio and it's our election special. And now we're going to talk a bit about the Green Party in a bit of detail. And they're, and, uh, they're under the leadership of Elizabeth May. Uh, someone want to kick off that? Jonas, you have some notes in front of you about the Greens, yes? Sure, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they... Uh, From conservative to green. Yeah, they sort of represent the polar opposite of the conservatives. So I feel as if I'm, I'm living a bit of a double life today. Um, yeah, we talked a bit about pipelines earlier and also cap and trade systems. The Green Party, surprise, surprise, opposes all pipelines. They believe that uh, pipeline is not as safe a way to carry oil as rail if rail, if proper safety... Uh, procedures are in place which apparently in disasters like Lac-Megantic uh, they were not so yeah no pipelines oil probably necessary they realize that but uh, we'll we'll put it on the rails uh, in terms of cap and trade the Green Party instead suggests a a carbon fee and dividend system which as I understand it basically means putting a price on carbon consumption at uh, at the point of consumption so for individuals who use it and then the the income made off of that fee gets divided up and given back to Canadian citizens over the age of 18 as as a dividend hmm. and I think the idea of this is just to motivate folks to use less uh, fuel and gas and all that stuff individually sure and and thus they will probably take back more than they pay in if uh, yeah if, if you kind of play your cards right uh, they they point to British Columbia's carbon tax system as having reduced fuel dependency or fuel use in that province by 16% while still having the highest or the fastest growing or something GDP out of the provinces. So they say that, yeah, programs that aggressively try to turn people off of carbon are working well, uh, both environmentally and economically. So that's kind of, that's their deal there. They also uh, moving to ban unpaid internships. Oh, Right. That's yeah, that's um, hey, there you go, Mike. <laughs> get some money in your pocket. Was, does, does, would that have any uh, implications on CMU's practicum program? Because that's hmm. technically what they are. Is unpaid internship. Well, that's not true. I got paid for my practicum. But some yes. of them, I was not paid for my practicum. Right. And I was referred to always as an intern. Mm. Uh, well, surely it would, simply because the any and then any um, any internship position that you would get, then you'd have to be paid for. Right. Like unless unless you are explicitly a volunteer and that that volunteer placement acts as your practicum placement, which it could. I know right. a number of people that have done explicit volunteer work and counted it as their practicum. Right. So in, in theory, not every CME practicum would be paid if this uh, were to be the case. But then the law on this actually varies province to province. Different provinces have different labor laws in Manitoba. The labor law on this is that unpaid internships are illegal unless there is a distinction made in a specific academic program so for for cmu because it is made with a specific practicum program it is possible to have unpaid internships 
That is my understanding of Manitoba law. Something else that the uh, Greens have promised to do on the subject of uh, things they can do for university students, and we'll come back to this a little bit later as we summarize, um, is that the Greens have promised uh, subsidized post-secondary education as well. Like, not even just like scholarships, like subsidized. Is that something you're Well, finding? not only subsidized, eventually they want to go entirely tuition-free. Wow. Essentially. A la Germany. A la Germany. Yes. A la Finland. Uh, yes. Except they're getting rid of that, actually. The Finns are repealing that. Ooh. Those Finns. Man. Greens are also looking to get rid of mandatory minimum sentences, specifically relating to uh, minor drug charges. Yeah. Uh, which I think is. I'm surprised good. we didn't. T- I'm surprised we didn't get to that in the Liberal Party. That just seems like everybody wants <laughs> yes. to focus on. Well, I read the entire P- PDF document that they had on their website. Didn't see anything about mandatory minimums on there. Oh, they but said- they, the Liberals would move to legalize marijuana, legalize and tax oh, yes. marijuana. The NDP uh, would decriminalize but not legalize it, meaning that you could not be charged for possession, but you could be charged for trafficking. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's, you sort of get the gist of the Green Party. I'm looking at our clock here and I'm noticing we're running. I'm looking at the clock and we're noticing we're running pretty, pretty far past our half hour of allotted time. Uh, but thank you for tuning into Wittenberg Radio. We're going to have a couple last questions for you, gentlemen. And thank you all for coming in and presenting this. This is really helpful stuff. Um, how is your party that you presented on initially, Jonas for the Conservatives, Michael for the Liberals, Dan for the NDP, how are you, how are you guys going to affect students and uh like people our age like what do we need to know about your party that like in a not like in a very brief paragraph what would you say the best benefit is of your party i'll go first i think the ndp is really focused on social programming um so if you're you're someone who uh doesn't want to just have all your money to yourself and not interact with anyone else then that will be a big benefit to the ndp uh, and and benefit that the NDP will will bring to you. They're focused on, um, yeah, social programs, as I said. So um, as students, people who are less economically well-off in society, they have lots of things proposed that will, will in theory, benefit uh, students while they're in school and also, you know, while they're trying to establish themselves just recent, when they graduate. We've already mentioned the Greens and their subsidized university education eventually going to be potentially free all of Germany so if you the want. other thing I'd mentioned about the Greens that is really interesting for I think all people but young people especially is they want to introduce what's called a guaranteed livable income which is essentially mm. a supplement to whatever you make uh, to ensure that every Canadian has at least X amount of money per year that uh, in the Green Party's words to make sure that no person's income falls below what is necessary for health life and dignity so kind of it's which is a radical rethinking of how we do welfare and, and right. subsidies and all those things uh it's something i've researched in an economics course before and found really interesting and i think would uh yeah free young people from a lot of anxiety about Absolutely. having to just work a minimum wage job for so many hours and right yeah really provide some interesting opportunity there but is is it economically feasible to do something like that yes Hmm. Long story. Yes. <laughs> Pro- okay. Fair enough. Okay. Just know that it is economically feasible to do something like that for a guaranteed. If any income. listeners are interested in guaranteed livable income, the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives has done a few studies about it. You can look up their website. And that website is ccp policyalternatives.ca. Oh, there you go. 
policyalternatives.ca. Okay, Jonas, flip your cap to the conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, definitely if you want just sort of a, a really stable economic environment, um, opportunity to work in the oil fields, I suppose. Uh, yeah, you can, you can make a lot of money quickly and not have too much of it taxed away under a conservative government, which is great if you're if you feel like you're going to make stacks real soon. If you white and pl- if you're white and plan on being rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, for full disclosure, I'm probably not the person to ask on this because I'm definitely not a conservative politically speaking in the canadian scene so hmm. yeah I, I i don't have a lot to like, Feel like really promote about yeah. their platform right but, yeah honestly if if you like what canada's been doing since 2006 and you want that to keep going that's what the conservative party is going to give you there we go uh liberals micah about education uh, but yeah well, what, I, what, what's going to do for people not even like people of our age bracket sort of, of that like bracket. you know sort of that early yeah. early to mid 20s sort of in university just you know out of high school yeah. trying to find our feet in the world well they're promising to create 40,000 new youth jobs youth defined as 18 to 24 I think hmm. and they're investing 300 million dollars in the youth employment strategy in terms of education as I mentioned before they're increasing grants available as well as right. not charging interest until you make a certain income they're also increasing their investments in First Nations education. Hmm. Um, They recognize that education systems on reserves are often not meeting expectations or not meeting education expectations. So they are investing 2.6 billion over the next four years, but they also recognize that for the best results, First Nations education should be left in the hands of First Nations peoples for them to organize it. Fair enough in the way that are actually beneficial to themselves. Right. Trudeau also pledged recently uh, in an interview with Vice to end all boil and water advisories in Manitoba for First Nations communities which comes, within five years. Which comes back to the Shoal Lake 40, which we've discussed on this program before as well. Another thing that the Greens, Liberals, and NDP have all promised is call an inquiry into the missing and murdered Indigenous women and adopt all, all TRC regulations as well. Indeed. Yes. So, let's see. Yeah. Um, I think then that uh, last question to all of you would be now putting aside your the, the caps that we've assigned you who do you think is going to win this election and why in a brief sentence it's a deep it's a hard question for a quick it's a, for a quick thought whoever has the first response come to their head doesn't have to be super educated but well if I could make a side comment first yes. uh, one of the conservative attacks on Justin Trudeau is that he's just, just not, not ready. ready. Now, Justin Trudeau is 43 years old. Too young. But wait. <laughs> when Stephen Harper first became prime minister, he was only 47. Four years difference isn't really a whole lot. Does that really mean that Justin Trudeau wasn't capable just because he's younger? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, if you're looking straight at the polls, the, the liberals will probably end up with a great share of the popular vote. But according to uh, the poll tracker on CBC, that vote is probably still distributed such that the Conservative Party would end up with a minority government, as it were. Like, they'd have most seats, but fewer than half of the House. Right. Which apparently would mean that Mr. Harper would be stepping aside as party leader, which is typical of Canadian politicians. Once they've been knocked down off their highest rung of the ladder, they kind of slink away. Right. So... (laughs) 
yeah that may happen and and if it does there's uh there's all kinds of crazy words like coalition and all those other oh, things yeah. that have been bandied about but that's another episode yes it is <laughs> yeah i i just looked at a recent chart of uh advanced polls from varying sources and uh the final average between all the polls put the conservatives and the liberals uh you know dead set against each other 50 50 uh in the final averages um does that what does that mean it well probably indicates that there's going to be either a liberal or a conservative minority it's just a matter of seeing seeing which way things are going to go on election day there you have it and i i say very often the only poll that really counts is the one that happens on election day right polls can often be very misleading and especially national polls very don't often correlate to number of seats in a house just ask anyone in alberta uh there you go so that is our election special for 2015 just think guys we might have a new prime minister in like five days that's pretty wild pretty crazy stuff that's it's crazy to think about well so thank you to jonas Kernelson and micah zerby for coming in and being on our political panel today always a pleasure it was thank an you. honor it wasn't it was a, quite an honor so a reminder if you have any feedback to this amazingly informative session and we realized we did not always do every issue bias like proper justice and there might be a lot of bias in there but we hope you've garnered enough information out of that as you could and if you have any reaction to that information please do tweet at us at wittenberg radio and we have our facebook page as well email us wittenbergradio at gmail.com i think we're going to wrap up the show there just because we went so long today so for wittenberg radio my name is nolan kaler i'm daniel friesen and see you next week see ya kyle's disclaimer Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council.